Father in heaven, you have invited us to come to your throne of grace. That we have done. We are doing that this morning. Father, we want to continue doing that. Lord, I pray a simple prayer that you would send your Holy Spirit to take the words that are spoken and to breathe life into them that our hearts may be touched and we may be drawn nearer to thee. Thank you, God, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In his book, The State of the Church, an Urgent Call for Repentance and Prayer, Andrew Murray made this fascinating statement about prayer. He said this, It is high time for the church to view prayer no longer in the light of our weakness or our limited desires. We must begin to believe that God, in the mystery of prayer, has entrusted us with an unbelievable force that can move the heavenly world and bring its power down to this earth. Would you say amen to that? That's a powerful statement and one that's well worth meditating upon. God has given us an amazing gift that every single one of us can exercise Eloquence is not needed to exercise the gift of prayer. Uh, Knowledge, biblical knowledge is not necessarily needed to exercise the gift of prayer. It is a gift that God has given to every single one of us. And it is a gift, it is a tool that God has given us that can move the heavenly world and bring its power down to this earth. Over the last 10 days, we've seen prayers answered, and I trust that there have been more prayers answered than what we have seen in our 10 days together. And I trust that as we continue going throughout these, this next year, that we, when we get to the kingdom of heaven, will be able to trace back prayers that have been answered that were prayed during the 10 days that we spent in our upper room right here in our church. And I trust that we'll be able to trace back other prayers that have been answered in our own personal prayer time together with the Lord as we've asked the Lord to move here upon this earth. God is interested in working in the hearts of his children. Would you say amen? God is interested in answering the prayers and the requests of his children. And not only is he interested, he wants to hear what you and I have to say. And so he invites us to come to the throne of grace. Here the Bible tells us in our scripture reading in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, let us therefore come how? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of Of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. I find it interesting that the Bible does not call it a throne of judgment. The Bible does not call it a throne of condemnation. The Bible calls it the throne of grace. Why 
should we come boldly to this throne of grace? As you read in our scripture reading, just two verses before this, Paul uh, elaborates on how we have a high priest, Jesus, our high priest, who is interceding for his children in the heavenly sanctuary. And because he is there doing that great work of intercession, we can have confidence. We can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there make our requests known to our heavenly Father. Of course, in order for there to be a throne, there needs to be a king that sits on that throne, does there not? The Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 46 and verse 7, for God is the king of all the earth. Let the people say amen. Amen. Is there a king that sits on this throne? As we are invited to come to the throne of grace, is there a king that sits on that throne, yes or no? Yes, the Bible tells us God, God is the king of all the earth. Now a king must have a kingdom that he rules over. And we are told in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Does God have a kingdom that he is ruling? Yes, and it's not just this earth. It is all that God has created is the kingdom that he rules over. So we are invited to come into the presence of God to stand before his throne and make our requests known. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, who has a kingdom that rules over all the earth. And he is inviting you and I (laughs) every day to stand before the throne of our gracious God. Now, in our society today, in the the world, we still have remnants, vestiges of nobility in different parts of the world. And if you were given, for an example, if you were given an invitation to stand before some king or queen here upon this earth, I think you would find that to be a rather high honor to stand before somebody of such stature. But I want to tell you something this morning, that if you were ushered into the presence of some nobility here on this earth after receiving an invitation, I want to tell you something, that they are probably not as interested in your presence as you are in being in in their presence. But I want to tell you this morning, our God is more interested in you being in his presence than oftentimes we are about being in the presence of God. And this isn't just an earthly king that rules over a small piece of real estate. This is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who rules over all of the earth, all of the universe, who has created all things. He is inviting. He wants you. He is anxious to see you come into the throne before his throne of grace and there talk to him about the deepness that is in your heart, about the deep desires that is in your heart. I praise God that he is inviting us to come into his throne. Amen? Now, I want to just share with you three things this morning. Three things to keep in mind as you come before Christ's or God's throne of grace. The first thing is when you come into that throne of grace, come with Complete submission. Come with what? 
Now the desire, obviously, when we come into the, before the throne of grace to make our requests known before God is not only to tell him our requests, but to praise him, to ask for confession, to thank him for all of the things that he has done. But as we come before the throne of grace, we must come in an attitude of submission. In an attitude of submission. We are not there We are not invited to come before Christ's throne or God's throne to dictate to him what we want. We have not been invited to come before the throne of grace to tell God what we think ought to take place. But we are invited to come before the throne of grace, yes, to make our requests known. But to make our requests known, uh, we need to make them subject to the will of God in submission to him and his will. You know, it's interesting as we spent time in prayer over the last 10 days, I oftentimes heard people mention that they didn't want their will, but they wanted what God's will wants. And I believe that's a prayer that God can answer. But listen, friends, it shouldn't just be something that we tag on at the end of our prayer just because it sounds good, but it really needs to be the attitude of our hearts. That even if God does answer contrary to what we are asking, we will still be just as committed to God before as we were, after as we were before. In fact, the Bible tells us this in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall do what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will do what? I don't know about you, but I think our land needs to be healed. (laughs) The hearts of men are waxing cold. There is a problem that is happening in the world today. And there is a beautiful promise in this Bible passage. And I know a number of you have read it, but I don't want you to miss the first ingredient We oftentimes like to zoom to the promise where it says, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. But there is a preface to the, or there's a condition to God being able to answer these prayers. And the first ingredient to having our prayers answered is having an attitude of submission and humility to God. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, then, the Bible says, God will hear and answer our prayers. Obviously, there are other conditions in there, but the point is that as we come before Christ's throne, as we come before the throne of grace, we must come with an attitude of submission, humble submission, not my will, but thine be done. Just recently, my family and I, we have a habit every morning as we are getting ready to have breakfast, we have what I call the reading of the word. And we're just kind of going through the Bible. And as the kids are getting ready to eat their breakfast, I just read a few verses from the Bible. And just recently, we've been going through uh, the portion of Scripture dealing with the story of Gideon. How many of you remember the story of Gideon? Gideon. Right? So God calls him and he says, listen, I want you to go and, and destroy these enemies, the enemies of God. And so Gideon goes out and he gathers a mighty host of men. You know the story. He gathers 32,000 men to come and fight with him in battle. 
But as they get ready to go off in the battle, what does God tell Gideon? He says, listen, any of these men that are fearful, I want you to tell them to go home. Because I don't want the Israelites to think that it's by sheer number alone that they overthrew the enemy, but it was through the power of God. And 22,000 men went home. How many was he left with? Quick math, 10,000 men. Can you imagine what was going through the mind of Gideon? 10,000 men, that's all. 32,000 he started off, 10,000 is all he's left with. And then as he's getting ready to go off into battle, what does God tell him to do? Take all those 10,000 men down to the what? Down to the river. And those who scoop up the water in their hands, those are the ones I want you to take with you. The rest of them send home. You remember how many scooped up water in their hands? How many? There were only 300. 300 men that scooped up the water in their hands. And so Gideon says goodbye to several thousand more men. And all he is left with is this small band of men. Can you imagine what was going through Gideon's mind? But he was in, he was in complete submission to the will of God. Yes, in his human reasoning, as he looked at it, he thought there's just no way that this is going to happen. In fact, even with 32,000 men, it seemed like it was going to be impossible. Then 10,000 men, definitely impossible. Now he only has 300 men. God, you're going to have to do something now. But he was in submission to the will of God. Whatever God asked him to do, Gideon went ahead and did it. But I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters, that submission of of Gideon did not just happen haphazardly. It happened as he spent time together with God in prayer. In prayer, as he, seek, as he sought the will of God, as he had those quiet talks with the Lord, if you will, he maintained that attitude of complete submission. We are coming before the king of the universe. We are standing before his throne as we come to him in prayer. Let us do so with an attitude of submission. Let us do so with an attitude of submission. The next thing we should keep in mind as we come before Christ in in this time of prayer, as we come before the throne of grace, is that we should come with unshakable confidence. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Unshakable, unshakable confidence that as we stand before this king, not just a king, but the king of kings, that he is able to do whatever one might ask. Unfortunately, history books today are riddled with nobility that have said one thing, and have done another, right? Rulers that have made promises that they've never actually fulfilled. Uh, History tells us that this has happened quite a bit. But when it comes to our king, not only does he promise what he will do, he does what he says he will do. And the Bible says that he cannot lie. So whatever he tells us, whatever he promises us in his word, we can have unshakable confidence that that is exactly what he is going to do for his children. The Bible tells us, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, you've read this passage before. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He heareth us, unshakable confidence that whatever we ask according to his will, the Bible says that he will hear and answer according to to his will. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the gospel or to the book of Daniel rather. 
Daniel chapter 2, and I want to show you an example of this in the life of the prophet Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 16 here in just a moment. Now, as you know the story in Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar has had his dream. He has made the decree to kill all the wise men in the province of Babylon. Daniel hears about this decree, and he says, you know, he goes to Nebuchadnezzar and says, give me a little bit of time, and I will make the the thing known unto you. And then the Bible tells us this, after Nebuchadnezzar gives him a little bit of extra time. In verse 16, the Bible says, then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, and that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. What did they do? They went back and what? They went back and prayed. They got this little bit of time. And Daniel said, I'll tell you what it is. Just give us a little bit of time. And they go back and all four of them get down on their knees. And I don't know how long that prayer was, but I had imagined it was longer than an hour. There was, there was nothing within them, humanly speaking, that would be able to answer the request of King Nebuchadnezzar, the unreasonable request that Nebuchadnezzar was making. They had a prayer session, the, all four of them there, asking mercy of the God of heaven. And then the Bible says this in verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Unshakable confidence in God's ability. Let me ask you a question. I want you to follow the chronology there. Those of you that were in my Bible prophecy seminar probably remember this, but many of you weren't. But I want you to follow the chronology there. So Daniel comes in before Nebuchadnezzar. He says, gives me time. Nebuchadnezzar gives him time. Then he goes home and him and his three friends get down on their knees and they pray. They ask God to reveal to them what it is that Nebuchadnezzar dreamt and what the interpretation of that dream was. They make their request known unto the Lord. And then the next thing the Bible tells us is that the vision is re- it, it, that that the, the vision or the request is answered in a dream. Now, let me ask you a question. When is it that you dream? So let me ask you a question. After Daniel and his friends made their request known to the Lord, did they go to bed that night, yes or no? Now, let me ask you another question. If you were in Daniel's shoes, would you have gone to bed that night? Listen, I mean, these guys, their life was on the line. If they didn't come up with this certain piece of information, their heads were going to be cut off the very next day. But they had unshakable confidence in God's ability. They had unshakable confidence that they served a God who not only hears, but answers according to his will. And if it was according to his will for Daniel and his friends to live, so be it. If it was according to his will for them to be martyrs, then they were happy for that as well. But they were going to get a good night's rest. I don't know about you, but I want that type of confidence in God. I want that unshakable confidence that nothing in this world can move. As you come before the throne of grace, brothers and sisters, remember that you stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords. You don't need to question. You don't need to doubt. You don't need to have fear. He will hear. He will answer 
And you can have confidence, unmovable, unshakable confidence that he will answer it according to his will if you have done your part. And really, brothers and sisters, our part is very simple. Our part is very simple. Confess your sin to the Lord and submit your will to his will. And you have opened up the floodgates for God to hear and answer your prayers. As you come before the throne of grace, yes, we want to have unshakable confidence. But the last thing I want to submit to you this morning is one that I think we need a little bit of exercise in. And that is, as we come before the throne of our gracious God, we need to come with enlarged expectations. We are not invited to come before the King's Community Service Center. We haven't been invited to come to the King's back door where we might receive the leftovers from the meal that just took place. No, we have been ushered into the very throne room of our gracious God. I should make you, I should make you, fill you with awe. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not a handing out of, 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 of things in a benevolent way, in terms of a benevolent service. It's not a, a giving out to the poor. No, this is a God that is asking you to come before his very presence as the king of the universe. Tell me, God says, what is it that I can do for you? Perhaps you've heard this story once before about Alexander the Great. He was a compassionate man, according to some accounts. And according to this particular story, there was one day out of the year, every year, that was set aside where he would grant the requests of certain individuals that had been selected throughout his kingdom to make a request to him. And oftentimes when they would come asking a request of Alexander, they would ask for food or for uh, medicine or money or clothing or things of that nature. That's what they would ask for to get from the hand of the king. But one day there was a man who was given the awesome opportunity to make a request to the most powerful man in the world at that time, Alexander the Great. And as he came in, he stood before the king's spokesman and he said this, I would like a palace, sir. And not just a palace, but a palace with a big ballroom. And not just a big ballroom, but I want a palace with a big ballroom and all of the fixings that go along with it. I want it to be fixed up because I have lots of friends that I want to be able to entertain in that palace. (laughs) The spokesman was dumbfounded. How dare you make such a request of Alexander. And as Alexander heard the commotion that was going on over there, he called his spokesperson over and he said, what is it? What is the request? In almost in in an apologetic way, the spokesperson told Alexander what this man had asked for. And as Alexander sits upon his throne for a few moments, there's silence. Everybody wonders what's going through his mind. And then a smile spreads across his face and he looks at the man and he says, request granted. 
to the consternation of everybody that was there. And as the spokesperson looked at him with this question mark in his face, Alexander made this statement. He said, listen, all of these people, they ask for food. They ask for clothing. They ask for medicine. They can get that from anybody. They don't need a king to get that from. But the request that this man made, only I can fulfill. Brothers and sisters, we're coming before the king of the universe. We need to enlarge our expectations as we come before God, making our requests known before him. We are not serving some or asking of any earthly king, but we are asking of the king of kings. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. I love this Bible passage. Because the Bible says it's not just exceeding, but it's what? Abundantly. And it doesn't say it's just exceeding and abundantly, but then it says what? Above all that you could ask or think. This is what God is able to do. When we come to him, we need to dare to ask for more. Our requests, I think, sometimes are too small. I think if we're going to be honest, many of the requests that we ask of God in our prayer time, if we put all of our time and energy behind it, we could fulfill that prayer request ourselves. But that request that that man made of King Alexander, he could not do that on his own. He needed a king to fulfill that request. And we need to depend upon God in a way that we have never depended upon him before if we want this church to move forward in a way that it's never moved forward before. Brothers and sisters, if we keep praying the same prayers that we've prayed in times past, if we keep doing the same thing that we've done in the past, we'll keep getting the same results that we've gotten already. And I dare say that if that is the case, we might find That time will go on longer than we might want it to. And Lord forbid, it may end up leading to the closing of this church because God's people did not enlarge their expectations. Can God fill our church? Sure he can. He can do it. That's not a problem to him. There are tons of people that are out there that are looking for what we have. It's not, the problem is not out there. The Bible, as I've already mentioned before, the Bible says the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The problem is not with the harvest. The problem is with the workers. We need to enlarge our expectations. God can do great things if his people will expect great things from him. Listen to this. This is from the Review and Herald, May 19 of 1904, and it says this. Just so long as the church is satisfied with small things, will it fail in receiving the great things of God. God has something for his children that you and I know nothing of because we've become satisfied with the little things. And brothers and sisters, please don't get me wrong. We ought to be thankful for the little prayer requests that are answered. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be thankful for that. 
But I want us to expand our horizons and think this is the God who has created all things. He has all power at his disposal. And I am brought into his audience chamber before his throne. I'm invited to stand before him and make my request known. What request am I going to ask? Am I going to ask for the little things, the the healing and, and the clothes and the food? Or am I going to expand my horizons and ask for great things? that only God could fulfill in my life. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 10. I like the book of Joshua. A lot of fantastic stories in here. But here we find Joshua... In the midst of a battle, as he is fighting for God in Joshua 10, beginning in verse 12, Joshua makes an absolutely outrageous request of God. You remember this? The Bible says this in verse 12. Then spake Joshua to the Lord. What do we call that when somebody speaks to the Lord? Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hastened not to go down about a whole day. 24 hours, verse 14. And there was no day like that before or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Did Joshua have large expectations? (laughs) Was that a request that only God could fulfill? According to some mathematicians, the earth weighs somewhere between six, somewhere around 6.66 trillion tons. I have no idea how much that is. Some number, I I don't know. It seems like a lot. But God caused it to halt. Whether it was a full stop or a slowing down, I don't know, we'll find an instant replay when we get to the kingdom of heaven, but it halted, it stopped, it it slowed down, whatever it was, for 24 hours in answer to the request of a man of God, Joshua. Now, scientifically, you can look this up. I did a quick little Google search. Scientifically, if the earth were to stop its rotation, it would cause complete disaster upon the earth. Can you imagine that? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not scientifically minded, but I can imagine at least a few of the problems that are associated with that, uh, namely gravity. <laughs> not to mention all the other things that go along with it. But you can do that little look, you can look up that on your own if you want to tickle your mind a little bit more. But Joshua prays this prayer, and it's a prayer that only God could answer. There was not a man upon the face of the earth that could cause the earth 
to stop, for the sun to stand still, if you will, in the sky for a whole day. He realized that the people of God needed a little bit more time to finish off the enemy, and so he made this, what some might think of, as an outrageous request. But listen to what Spirit of Prophecy says, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 509, it says this, he did all that human energy could do. What did he do? Did he, just, did, he, did he just do a little bit of work and then go to God and say, hey, God, can you help me out here? No. He says, what did he do? Everything that he could, humanly speaking. He did all that human energy could do, and then he cried in faith for divine aid. The secret of success is the union of divine power with human effort. Those who achieve the greatest results are those who rely most implicitly upon the almighty arm. Brothers and sisters, sometimes I think we just act as though we want God to do all of the work for us. And so we pray and 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 we expect God to do something for us, but we don't do anything to help that prayer request be answered. But we're told here that this amazing prayer request that was answered, that before it was answered, Joshua and his men did everything they could, humanly speaking, to answer the request of God, and then they applied for divine aid. And those two united together, human effort and divine aid is an unstoppable force in this world. It goes on and it says this, the, men who, the man who commanded, sun stand thou still upon Gibeon and thou moon in the valley of Agilon, is the man, listen to this, is the man who for, is the man who for hours lay prostrate upon the earth in prayer in the camp of Gilgal, the men of prayer are men of, how long did he spend in prayer? Hours, prostrate on his face, praying. Listen, this just wasn't something that happened on a whim where, where, where he just found himself in a problem and in a predicament and, 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 asked, the God, and asked God to cause things to stop moving. Uh, this man had spent hours in prayer. He had put all of his time and energy. He had invested everything in himself. I just want you to get a sense of what it takes to have these types of prayer requests answered. We want to see these prayer requests. We want to have these amazing prayer requests answered in our lives, but we're not willing to make the investment on our part in prayer, spending time prostrate on our face, praying and asking for God to give us that divine aid. We may not be willing always to put the human effort in to see that request answered so that God can pour out his divine aid upon our human effort. But brothers and sisters, if these are the type of requests that we want to have answered, if we want to have these amazing answers to our prayer, we must be willing to do what Joshua did. Spending time with God and doing everything he could, humanly speaking, to fulfill the desires of his God. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3, call upon me and I will what? Oh, I love this Bible passage. Call upon me and I will answer thee and show you what? Great and mighty things which thou knowest 
not. I love that Bible passage. It's so easy to remember where it is. Jeremiah 3.3.3. You can remember that one. You can memorize it. It's one that's well worth memorizing. There are countless number of Bible passages that say, in essence, the same thing. That God not only hears, but he answers the requests of his children. And not only is he going to answer the requests of his children, but he's going to show you things that you have never seen in your life before. Had Joshua ever seen the sun stand still? Had Joshua ever seen the moon stand still? The day extended for 24 hours? Listen, God not only had to extend that day, but he had to give those men 24 hours of extra energy to fight that battle. There were numberless miracles that God had to perform to answer that one request that Joshua prayed. Call upon me, and I will answer thee, and show you great and mighty things that you know nothing of. As I survey the Bible, I find Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days. What was the result? Three and a half years of the most amazing events that transpired on this earth. 40 days. And 40 nights, he fasted and prayed. Three and a half years of mighty ministry. As I survey the Bible, I find a group of men, disciples, the Bible calls them, who spent 10 days, not 10 hours. That's what we did. We spent 10 hours together in that room. I know we prayed throughout the day as well, but these guys were in 10 days They were in that upper room, and that was concentrated prayer day after day. Not just a little bit here and a little bit there, but this was concentrated prayer for 10 days in the upper room. What was the result? The day of Pentecost, the birth of the New Testament church. And we see these prayer requests are building upon each other. Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness, and he prepares the way for the 10 days in the upper room that prepares the way for this mighty event that takes place in the growth and transformation of the church and the birth of the New Testament church. I look at the Bible, and I find a man by the name of Daniel who spent time praying three times a day, every single day throughout his life. What was the result? powerful man of God whose life is still impacting people today. I think the obvious conclusion that we come to is what you have heard a number of times. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. The Bible backs this up and we know it intellectually, yet we time and time again come up with excuses or reasons why we cannot invest this type of time into prayer. And let me tell you something. The preacher's preaching to himself this morning, okay? Because I've come up with my own excuses. Ministry is a busy thing, and you can come up with the excuses if you want to that you don't have time for prayer. But I want to tell you something this morning. There is no excuse not to spend ample time together with God in prayer. Even if it involves ministry. Doing good for others. The first thing is to spend time together with our gracious God. Great Controversy says this. Great Controversy, page 210. You've probably read this before, but it says, 
from the secret place of prayer came the power that shook the world in the Great Reformation. There, with holy calmness. I love that. <laughs> they're, they're not, they weren't just kind of uh, frazzled. This is a holy calmness. There, with holy calmness, the servants of the Lord set their feet upon the rock of his what? Say amen to that. They weren't standing on their own desires, their own thoughts, or their own words, but they set their feet upon the promises of God. How can you do that if you're not spending time looking for the promises of God? Right? If we want this type of power that shakes the world like it did during the time of the Great Reformation, we need to not only spend that time with God in prayer, but we need to be searching for the promises that we can set our feet firmly upon. Amen? One more passage in closing. Go with me to your, in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 143. Psalms 143. Stumbled across this passage a number of years ago. And have prayed it a number of times as a request to the Lord. And I pray that this would be your prayer this morning. Psalms 143 and verse 8, the Bible says this, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. Brothers and sisters, I pray that the morning hours find you talking to your Lord in prayer. Asking him and saying, Lord, please show me the way that I should walk today. Listen, we can't afford to do this on our own. We can't afford to do it in our own wisdom. We must beg and plead and ask the Lord, lead me through my day, guide my conversation, guide my thoughts, guide my movement. Help me, Lord, to act in harmony with the moving of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I want this great power that comes from the prayer chamber that I'm having together, prayer time I'm having together with you this morning. Lead me, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Remember, Tomorrow, tonight, today, when you come in prayer, that you are standing before the throne of the King of kings and Lord of lords. As you make your requests, enlarge your expectations. Have a heart that is surrendered to the Lord. Not my will, but thine be done. And brothers and sisters, I believe that we will see great things that will happen in this church. Listen, the great things are not what we do. The great things are what we pray. And as we pray individually and come together collectively like Joshua and his men, God will be able to do things for us that we could never have done on our own. And those are the requests that we want to see answered in our church. Listen, we've been about this work in our own strength long enough. It's time for us to have a Joshua experience and ask for something that only God can fulfill. Amen? Amen.
So I want to entreat you, I appeal to you this morning to make this a point of interest in your spiritual life that I will not let anything get in the way of that prayer time together with the Lord. And if something does, don't become discouraged. Get back up and get back into it again. And let's see the Lord do mighty things on our behalf. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for the awesome invitation that you have given to us to step into the throne room of God and there talk to him. Lord, it's such a humbling experience, but we thank you that we can have that every day and throughout the day. Lord, we pray that you would do a work in our church that only you can do. We don't want to be doing this work in our own strength, and our own wisdom. We'll fail, Lord, if we continue to do that. But Father, we want the divine power and strength of God to move among us in our personal prayer closets. That as we unite our forces together, that each one of us would individually be spiritually, spiritually led and filled with power from the prayer time that we have spent together with you. Thank you, Father, for what you are doing. Thank you for what you will do in our church. We commit ourselves to you, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.